Heart. You gotta have heart. Miles and miles of heart. What is heart? Heart is running through a return man when the game is on the line. Heart is giving everything you have in practice, day after day. Heart is finding the strength to run down the field one more time when you can barely breathe. The heart in me pumps Husker Red. Hello and welcome to a brand new, very special episode of the Five Heart Podcast, brought to you by Coronation.com and hosted on JitteryMonkey.com, part of the Jittery Monkey family of podcasts. My name is Greg Mahochko. Joining me as always is Haas Reuter, and I say very special because uh, sometimes you get a Friday Five Heart Podcast, sometimes it's a Saturday, and in a rare occasion, yes, we've even had a Sunday morning podcast. But I don't think ever in the history of the Five Heart Podcast have we ever brought to you on a Monday. Uh, That is because uh, I have, and I think I've told the story before, so uh, bear with me, but I have a son who likes to shirk his, you know, normal bedtime and and ignore it, so I've got to keep an eye on him. That was Friday night. Uh, And then Saturday night, uh, I had a wedding uh, that I went to with uh, my wife, one of her coworkers, had a good time, but obviously got home too late, and, you know, Haas is uh, a gentleman in his 20s and you know probably had things going on and so here we are sunday night almost 11 o'clock i i assure you folks this is not going to be one of those hour-long uh chats I, I i just don't have don't have it in me uh but happy monday to you uh thank you for starting out your work week with us whether you're at home at work or in your vehicle of choice uh thanks for joining us uh, hoss welcome uh good evening to you sir Good evening to you as well. How's it going? It's going all right, going all right. You have spent your evening working on homework. I spent my evening trying to get my son to sleep and watching the Royal Rumble. So um, you'll be happy to know, fans of MMA, that Ronda Rousey did make an appearance uh, and looks like they're setting something up for her uh, for WrestleMania. But you don't have to take my word for it, as uh, our friends at Reading Rainbow would say. Uh, Yeah, we're watching old Reading Rainbow with my son. Uh, You can check that out live right now on the Jittery Monkey uh, Network is the latest episode of My One, Two, Three Cents, the podcast. Kevin and Chad are recapping not just the Royal Rumble, but Chad was in Philadelphia with all of the uh, pro wrestling festivities, so he's going to be recapping the entire weekend. So check that out, My One, Two, Three Cents. You can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, JitteryMonkey.com. Have at it. Anyway. Uh, Husker talk that we're, we're going to try to zero in and, and, and focus a little bit more this week than we have uh, last week, buddy. Um, we we I, I'm going to start with one of the newest uh, commits to the Nebraska football team, Cam Jones, um, and and I want to talk about what he brings to uh, the field from you know the physical standpoint. But he put out a tweet, and I I saw it you know, earlier today, tonight. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm sure that's probably when he posted it. Uh, but uh, if you've got the, the tweet pulled up, I'd love for you to read it to me. It's about, uh, you know, put it, essentially what we talk about, you know, putting too much stock in in recruit rates and, and the number of stars. We, if, if you've got that pulled up, buddy, uh, uh, throw me that throw me that tweet, if you can read it verbatim. Yeah, I mean, I won't, I won't put anyone on blast, you know, in terms of the twitter handle who tweeted cam jones about you know his commitment but the person said that they wanted a five-star guy 
And uh, Cam Jones responded with, y'all get so caught up in the stars, it's crazy that you only get a fifth star if you basically camp all summer and it's based on hype. And uh, going for five stars based off of the recruiting services is why Nebraska wasn't Nebraska anymore. He said, you got to look for dogs, which, you know, to be a good football player, you got to have some dog in you, some dirt bag in you, as I always say. (laughs) And uh, it's based on film and not just, you know, recruiting rankings based off of where people camp and you know like the the star system is a pretty decent indicator of talent but a lot of the time it is based like what cam jones was saying in that tweet about you know people camping at the rivals camps and getting the exposure and the notoriety from rivals and it's not based off of actually playing football and what you put on film and you know cam jones big bodied safety who you know, quite honestly, could probably end up being an outside linebacker or a hybrid type player, a big nickel type of player for us in Shenander's defense. And yeah, I mean, I really like, you know, film evaluations and, you know, comparing where their other offers are coming from for a better indicator of where a player will project at the next level. Yeah. And that, is, I mean, his response and, and, you know, you taking the high road, not not putting anybody on blast as you said um not probably not something i would have done because i would have probably called that person out uh first of all this is a heck of a get for nebraska um and i think people i you know and not, not just husker fans but college football fans across the board i think the smart ones don't put as much stock in the star rate system uh the truly smart ones but you get so many more casual <laughs> fans who you're like, oh, well, we've got, you know, there are only 22 five-star players in this recruiting cycle, and we've got four of them, so we're upper echelon. That, that doesn't always, you know, mean anything. As you said, you've got to have – your phrase was was dirtbag. Uh, Cam Jones's you know, word was dog. Uh, you've got to have guys who just want to put in the effort, put in the work, and play whistle-to-whistle and, and – you know, just go, just have that, that desire. Um, I'm not, I, I'm not nobody in particular, as far as five stars, no, not any individual is coming to mind, but I'm sure that there are some people, uh, you know, some college athletes, not just football, but you know, who look at that five star, you know, ranking that they're given and think that they can just coast on it, uh, where you might have a, you know, a, a small town two star or three star, something like that, who's going to go to a school. And again, Nebraska, you know, is is our most, uh, I guess, identifiable or, m- or most desired example. But any school, and they're going to outwork a high four star or five star. Um, this is why we called this podcast from the very beginning, Brian and I. We called it the Five Heart Podcast because those are the players that we always wanted to see at Nebraska are the kids who are, you know, putting in the, you know, they're, they're the, they're the Sam Fultz's, uh, they're the Andy Janovich's, uh, for recent memory. Um, you know, they're the, they're the kids who, you know, may, may have had a, a small offer list or, or may have, you know, been part of that vaunted walk on program of, of days gone by who, are out to prove something or they're playing for, you know, they're carrying the weight of, you know, I think this is something that, 
that Nebraska fans get caught up on too is is the the home the home state kids. They're you know playing for the pride of the state, um, you know things like that. Those are always the, the types of players that that I wanted. Um, I, I'd rather have more, you know, hungry three stars than uh, I don't know casual or coasting five stars on my team. I I don't know. Uh, that's just my you know I, I want kids who you know want to be there. Maybe it was their only choice. I don't know, but but you know want who want to who play with purpose, I guess, and and play for the school, not just play for the next level. Yeah, and I mean that. And what you illustrated with what you just said was it's not you know a case of uh, talented players or you know lazy and untalented players just want it more, but there is a there is the case of guys you know rest on their laurels of their recruiting rankings and. Um, what you want when you bring talent into your program is you want talented guys who are going to work hard. And then you also, you know, through a walk-on program or guys who weren't highly recruited, but, you know, you took a flyer on them, so to speak, you want guys who you can develop and they're going to, you know, develop into a decently talented player or maybe a really talented player who's still going to put the work in. Um, Yeah, I mean, you just, you can't, you know, can't arrive to a Division One college football program resting on the laurels of what you accomplished in high school. It's a good way, you know, to just basically wash out, you know, not accomplishing anything at the college level. I always point to, um, and I'll, I'll catch some heat for this because it's, you know, it's not Nebraska, but I, to this day, you know, I'm, I'm 35 and a half years old, but to this day, my favorite movie and I'm a nerd, so you know you think it might be the Avengers, one of the Avengers movies, or a Batman movie, or something like that. Um, but to this day, my favorite movie is Rudy. Um, and part of it is, you know, because I'm Catholic. Maybe I don't know. Uh, and so there's something about that bond with Notre Dame. And, and uh, but you know, he's a he's a blue collar kid, and he's going and he's putting in the work. And he's like, you know, this is my dream. I'm going to run out of that tunnel. I'm going to run onto that field. And it's it, you know if if you had, if you watch the movie and certainly if you know anything about you know the real life uh, you know stories, it's a guy who had no business being on that field, but he put in the effort, the blood, sweat, and the tears, uh, and and you gotta have players like that on on your team to be successful. I think. Absolutely, I mean you gotta. It's a culture thing at that point. You know the locker room culture, the program culture, guys who are gonna you know forth the effort and uh, create a atmosphere of positive peer pressure, you know, that forces other guys, you know, to buy in and put in the work. You know, I think more, uh, I think in psychology it's called social proofing, you know, when someone, you know, someone's behavior and the work they put in is modeled towards other people to raise their level of, you know, buy-in. And, um, yeah, you got to have those guys because if you don't, you just... You know, like Urban Meyer said earlier this week, I think it must have been at a coach's clinic. He was talking about how talent alone gets you seven wins and, um, you know, buy in, you know, working hard will get you nine to 10 wins. And then leadership is what really, you know, and the team policing itself, you know, in accordance to the rules of the program will put you over the top to, you know, compete for championships. And, you know, it's, you got to have those ingredients in place, you got to have the right mixture of those ingredients. And, 
it's so vital to have. Without it, I mean, you're just you're basically going to perform just at the baseline of what that talent is. And you know, it's it's funny that that you said you know that that quote or that explanation comes from Urban Meyer because it's not somebody that we like to think of you know out in Nebraska with any type of positive you know <laughs> mentality. Yeah. But, but yeah. Uh, uh, you know, to to that point, that is a really good description and i'm not i'm not you know railing anybody dogging on anybody but that's a pretty fair i think uh analysis of the last couple of years of nebraska football wouldn't you agree yeah um and i would think it was it's kind of a confluence of all those factors where you had guys who didn't buy into the new staff and you also had some talent you know discrepancies on the roster and then you had guys who didn't police themselves and police others. The weight room, you know, being accountable to each other. And that basically sums up, you know, 2015 through 2017 for Nebraska football right then and there. We, uh, um, during your response there, Hoss, we kind of went in and out, but, but people, I think, uh, got the gist of what you were saying, um, I'm not going to go back and fix it or post or anything like that, but yeah, it's it's there's got to be, and I think there will be now with you know Scott Frost coming in uh, and his staff. I think there's going to be a turnaround. I mean, obviously we all hope for it, but we all hope for it around you know with Pelini and and even Mike Riley to I don't know maybe subdued or or you know questionable goals something like that. But but I think with what people have seen from Scott Frost both on the field at Nebraska and what they've seen uh, from him on the sidelines in all of his you know, coaching stops, he is going to bring a culture of success with him. There is, I mean, and this is not the first time I don't think we've talked about it, and certainly it's not the first time it's been talked about, but there's just an air of success about him. But I, I say that not to, to make it sound like Scott Frost is an arrogant person i don't think he is at all i think you know if you watched his introductory uh, press conference and you did i did i think most husker fans did uh he's very calm and and you know humble uh he's got and i say this with hopefully not showing my bias to nebraska he's got that you know kind of small town soft-spoken nebraska way about him that is you know nothing flashy um just you know let's get down to business and now that we're into, you know, the last few days of January, uh, you know, we're starting to see that businesses is about to pick up. To, to use a, uh, an old Jr. Uh, you know phrase there. Um, nice. <laughs> but uh, you know, the guys are starting to hit the weight room. We're, we're getting into that winter conditioning, and and if you think about it, we're not all that far away from spring practice. Uh, what, but you know, before the team takes the field, what needs to be established in your opinion you know as, as, as far as before they head to you know spring practice and especially the spring game what and I'm not talking about like you know we won't have a clear-cut idea who the starters are or anything like that but just mentality wise what what needs to be established just from working together spending time together being in the weight room things like that uh, for, well first and foremost what has to be established is accountability you know and 
preparation, you know, whether that be in the weight room or watching film, in this case with the new staff coming in, learning the playbook. And uh, that's really where it starts because, you know, I think I said it after the Wisconsin game and one of my articles on coordination, you know, Nebraska-Wisconsin games, those games aren't won. Wisconsin didn't win those games in October. They won those games from the months of January to August in preparation, in the weight room, practice, film, you know, everything. And so that being accountable in your physical and mental preparation is what has to occur this spring. And um, Without it, you know, you, well, we saw what happened, you know, the past three years without it. And so, you know, you can talk about bringing in the talent, you know, and that's the larger piece of the equation, you know. But the biggest thing right now is going to be the guys on campus and uh, getting them ready to be able to go win games in the fall. It the, the championships, you know, the the wins, like you said, they don't. That culture's not created in September, October. It's got to start now. Uh, the staff that Scott Frost has brought in, we've talked about. You know, they're they're going to. As far as, I'm, I'm trying to ask a question to you, buddy, without the without the response being completely 100% predictable. Um, and that's tough based on, you know, the coaching staff that we have now versus the coaching staff, you know, of the years prior. Um, but it seems to me like this, the staff, I mean, obviously there's some unity there. They're, they're all coming. You know, they all came from Orlando. So, uh, you know, that there's a hierarchy, there's a pecking order in place, so to speak. Um, everybody's got a job. And if you look at the success that, uh, Central Florida had seems like everybody on the coaching staff knows their job, and now it's just time to do that job in a bigger arena, in a bigger with a bigger spotlight. Yeah, and that's one of the biggest keys to Frost bringing his entire staff is that they're all familiar with each other. They all know, as you said, the pecking order, and they're going to know what needs to be done and how it needs to be done. I think that's, you know, we learned the hard way last season bringing in Diaco, who just totally disrupted the homeostasis of the program, you know, with guys, you know, who'd been on Riley's staff for a while, feeling kind of disenfranchised. And, you know, Diaco kind of coming in and wanting to run things, you know, having a little bit more oversight over the program than a defensive coordinator really should. And, uh, you just you can't underestimate how important staff continuity is, and you know they went from zero and twelve to you know thirteen and zero in the matter of two years at UCF, doing what they did and working with each other, and uh, you have to think that Frost, you know, logic behind bringing the entire staff was well, we did it there, you know, I'm not going to do anything to disrupt this what we've got going on amongst the staff, so I'm going to bring them all to Lincoln and see if we can do it here. You, you did mention Bob Diaco, which, you know, is a name that's going to, I think, it, it, if not right away, <coughs> down the road is going to be, uh, you know, talked about in, in soft whispers, just like, uh, you know, a certain head coach uh, by the name of Bill Callahan. It's like, ooh, we're not going to, you know, we don't know about that guy. Uh, in your opinion, 
would the Huskers have been better off sticking with Banker? I mean, there was so much coaching turnover in Riley's, you know, tenure. Would they have just been better off sticking with him for one more year just to see what would have happened? Or do you think that a change needed to be made and maybe just the right change wasn't made? Now it's a year later and it's a moot point. Anyway, I understand that. But would 2017 have been different if, if Mark Banker were still the defensive coordinator? Yeah, I think so. I think we probably would have. I think we probably would have won seven or eight games uh, with Mark Banker as the defensive coordinator. Um, the turnover of having to learn a new scheme, going from the four three to the three four, coupled with Diaco's coaching style and practice, that um, the big red Cobcast guys are now at a site that uh, we don't affiliate with. Um, touched on with Charlie McBride, um, you know that really influenced you know the defensive just i don't even know the word that would be accurate to describe the depths of our defensive performance but um yeah i mean i think keeping bankers staying in that four three one gap uh, gap pressure uh quarters coverage scheme i think that we're more well suited to that in retrospect and i think that we could have um i think we could have played more aggressively in that scheme and probably could have fared a lot better against say Minnesota um, you know probably Northwestern maybe Iowa just because you know trying to shoot gaps instead of just hold gaps in a two gap scheme like the Yakos. and so I think that Banker's firing was a bit of a decision that came from above Riley and I think it was kind of in accordance to two things. One, the 40 points we gave up in Iowa City at the end of 2016, and coupled with uh, Banker's comment about Iowa's practices being bloodbaths, you know, which was kind of a uh, veiled shot at uh, perhaps the nature of our practices. So, yeah, I think uh, we still probably would have got tuned up by Ohio State and Penn State, but I I don't think we probably would have got just, you know, mowed down, ground down in a war of attrition against Wisconsin because Banker's defense has always played Wisconsin very tough. Um, you saw that in 2015 and 2016, losing 23-20 and then 23-17 in overtime. So I think that I think that things would have been different. Interesting. It's not something that, you know, we ever talked about. I don't know if anybody ever really touched on it uh, in any of the Nebraska – you know, Husker media personnel. But yeah, I'm just curious on your, your take on that. Uh, let's switch things up real quick. Uh, it was a successful, another successful week, uh, almost full week, for uh, the Husker men's basketball team. They went uh, two for three, or, or, or two and one in you know, other terms, <laughs> over the week, including the big one for us, the fun one, was uh, Saturday night, the coaches versus cancer night, home against Iowa. We talked about that uh uh, here on the show previously, but uh, coming up big with a nice double-digit win, almost putting a hundy up on the Hawkeyes, 98-84, the final. They also got road wins against Rutgers, uh, or I should say road win against Rutgers, but last Monday night falling a little short to Ohio State. Um, I mean, this is a, a Husker team. Now, granted, as you listen to this, folks, Monday night, they do go on the road uh, to Madison to face Wisconsin tonight. Um, but this is a, a team that's got three losses 
in the month of January. Uh, but, you know, a fair amount of winds, northwestern, Wisconsin, Illinois, Michigan. You know, that, that Michigan was a you know, top 23 or number 23 at the time. Uh, Rutgers, Iowa. So getting some wins, Haas, in the Big Ten is, you know, be it home or away, Big Ten is still, you know, a, a heck of a basketball conference. So uh, we'll take it. And we'll, you know, of course, uh, exclamation point being that win over Michigan. But got an opportunity to kind of continue writing the narrative for this team. Uh, they got a couple of back-to-back uh, games or back-to-back road games. Uh, good news is they're about a week apart. As I mentioned, Wisconsin tonight, and then their next game's not until uh, next Tuesday, February 6th, at Minnesota. Um, but, you know, Tim Miles's team is, is continuing to compete. They're out there playing hard for him. I don't know if they realize that maybe, you know, he at least coming <coughs> into the season, coach was on the hot seat or what, but it seems like they're playing really hard for him, playing like a cohesive unit. Yeah, and uh, it's kind of – they're playing as a cohesive unit, and shots are falling. And I liked what Miles said yesterday or last night after the game, where he said it's amazing what a better coach he is when he has good talent. <laughs> and um, you know that kind of says it all right there. You know, talents, you know, everything. And uh, this team, you know, I I'd love to be just you know total optimist and say this year we're going to get into the dance and break through and win a game, but. Um, all kind of curtail that for now, but I do think this team could make the dance, you know, and just they're, they're playing really well and they just can't peak too soon. And, you know, sh- biggest thing, shots just got to keep falling. On the uh, women's side and, and folks, we are, I don't want to say we're speeding through topics here, but we're, we're moving along. Like I said, it's, it's late. Uh, we've both got, you know, I've got work and uh, Haas has school and probably work cause he's, Yep, it's yep. a it's a two a day tomorrow. It's two a day. He's got morning session and afternoon session. Uh, but the women's uh, basketball team, uh, they completed the nice uh, weekend sweep of Iowa. Uh, men, of course, as I mentioned, winning on Saturday, and uh, the Husker women beat the snot out of Iowa. Uh, the final score won't reflect it, ninety two seventy four. But I think at one point it was. 60 something to 20 something i mean it was it was ridiculous you know following the the quarter by quarter scores that uh uh our our favorite uh husker women's basketball correspondent jill was was sharing in the uh slack chat room um so another dominating performance there um coach uh williams is doing great great thing this year um you know this was a number 25 iowa team it was on the road um it was a 36-point lead in the third quarter. The Huskers, the Lady Huskers are now 16-6 overall, 7-2 in the Big Ten. And, and Haas, they've only got one loss in the calendar year 2018, uh, and that was in overtime uh, by five points to Michigan. They're going to be back in action on uh, Thursday, February 1st, later this week, obviously, uh, hosting Illinois. In fact, they've got three in a row at home, folks, so going out there and support uh, your uh, Husker women's basketball team, Illinois, Maryland, Wisconsin, all coming to the Pinnacle Bank Arena and within the next uh, two weeks or so. Um, I mean, it, it, playing at a high level uh, and with all the you know turmoil and, and drama last season that carried into the off season and the departure of Jessica Shepard. I mean, it's they're 
they've bounced back really well. I, I think probably, uh, you know, some might say outperforming expectations at this point. Yeah, and uh, I I mean, last year was, you know, a pretty rough year in terms of Amy Williams taking over from Connie Yori, but, I mean, it kind of snuck up on me. I mean, I don't follow women's basketball very closely, i.e. at all, but um, <laughs> yeah, just being honest here. But, um, you know, to put together, you know, once, you know, just one loss in this calendar year and to be really making some strides from what was a pretty putrid year last year, definitely heading in the right direction. And what's even better is last night's win against Iowa and men's basketball and today's win against Iowa and women's basketball. I mean, it's the opening shots of reclaiming, you know, the uh, border war. And it all, I mean, it, it's, we, we, there, there are some of us, um, you know, and you mentioned earlier, you know, our friends at the Big Red Cobcast who have, you know, long debated if Iowa is a rival. Um, I always consider a rival the team that you, you know, absolutely tears you up inside if you lose to them. Um, and, it ruins my year to lose to Iowa. Right, yeah. So you consider Iowa a rival. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I have dear close friend who I would almost consider a family member who she's a fantastic person but you know great in every aspect but she has one major character flaw she's an Iowa fan um, you don't need that kind I, of negativity I, in your life Hoss I went to Iowa City with her in 2016 on the way back three of us were in the car Every and I was in the back seat before I started driving you know we switched and I drove and every time I'd shut my eyes to try to get some sleep, I'd just see Akram Wadley slicing through the defense, you know, for 75 yards. <laughs> and then the following Monday when I got back, you know, into town and I was in class for my 8 a.m. history lecture, before class started, the history professor looked at me. I didn't know she was an Iowa fan, but she just goes, what's that, two years in a row? Mm. And uh, a little part of me died inside that day. I... There's something about Iowa, and, and maybe it's not the school itself. Maybe it's the fans that just grate on my nerves. Um, I, you know, congratulations, Iowa. You've, you know, as far as football, you've you've beaten us when we've been at our worst, I guess. Uh, but have you beat us when we've been at our best? I don't think so. Um, nope. So you know, we can always we can always say that. But but always good to, to see the W's. Uh, in the in the you know the the notches in the wind column when uh, Iowa is involved. Um, real quick, moving on to wrestling and and not the Royal Rumble, um, but the Husker wrestling team got a, a senior day win on Sunday, uh, beating Indiana twenty three eighteen at the Devaney Center. Uh, that was a, a duel, Hoss. I don't know if you were following uh, Husker wrestling on Twitter, but. They were giving away sweater vests, Husker sweater vests, oh, I saw that. to yeah. the first hundred fans, uh, and and I, I hope somebody picked me up one. I mean, I, I put it out there on social media. I said I need a two X. Somebody go, you know, I'll pay for shipping. Um, nobody responded to that tweet. So, man, uh, that's by, rough. By the way, folks, if you are on social media and you want to interact with the show, we'd certainly love uh, to hear your thoughts, and you can uh, do so. On Facebook, uh, obviously Coronation is there. That's probably the main account that you're following and interacting with. We get it. They've been they're, they're established. 
we're uh, we're the you know up and comers, if you will. Um, but uh, throw a like onto the Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash five heart podcast. That's all spelled out, all the words, including five. Uh, but on Twitter, it's uh, the Twitter handle is the number five and then heart podcast. So uh, follow, like, whatever you got to do on social media, engage, interact. We certainly would appreciate it. Um, Haas, any, any final thoughts before we wrap things up? No, I think we've about covered it. We just got to, you know, as usual, win the damn off season. Now you're jumping ahead of me. Um, oh, shit. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, b- before we head out, as I mentioned, uh, the Royal Rumble was tonight. You can get the recap and uh, Kevin and Chad's thoughts on uh, the my one two three cents the podcast. Uh, so check that out, jitterymonkey.com. Also, my one two three cents on Facebook and Twitter and other social media avenues. Um, the winner of the Royal Rumble, the men's Royal Rumble, Hoss was uh, a Japanese wrestler by the name of Shinsuke Nakamura. Are, are you familiar with him? I am not. He is the king of strong style, which pretty much means that when he kicks you, it hurts like hell. Um, very, very popular wrestler, but he will go on to main event WrestleMania. And the only reason I bring this up is fantasy booking. If you could book the main event of WrestleMania with any wrestlers, tell you what, no, let's, let's have more fun with it. No, let's stay. Cause I, I know that if I went with, with any coaches, You'd probably go either Tom Osborne or Milt Tenniper versus, I don't know, like a Nick Saban or, you know, that ilk. <laughs> um, but so let's let's stick with wrestlers. Any wrestlers, you know, past, present, living, dead, your dream WrestleMania, who would you pick? Ooh, you and, know what? I, one of my, when I watched wrestling growing up as a kid, one of my favorite finishing moves was the Arn Anderson spine buster. Uh-huh. Just a thing of beauty. I mean, it's poetry in motion. Um, you know what? Let's go with the spine buster match here. Arn Anderson versus Triple H. Okay. Alright. Unexpected. Uh, certainly two of the the uh, best minds in the business. Um, I like it. I like it. I, you know, I, I'd want to have uh, Macho Man Randy Savage involved in there. And probably, hmm, because we already saw Savage Steamboat. Uh, we've seen Savage Hogan. We saw Savage Ultimate Warrior. I want to go somebody from not of of that particular era. How about Randy Savage versus at his prime? The next president of the United States, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. That'd be that'd be a good one. That'd be a good one. <laughs> I don't even know if if uh, the Rock is entertaining the thought of running, but I thought I saw somebody joke with him, or he joked about it on social media. I don't know. Um, all I can say, and and we're gonna get out of here because we don't get political. Rock, if you're listening, buddy, if you decide to run for the president. 2020 run as an independent let's blow this two-party system up let's do it we need x amount of percentage of the votes and i think Dwayne johnson you sir are popular enough you are you are you are the man who could help implode this corrupt two-party system all right that's it i'm done um dilly dilly you know i i uh, damn dilly 
I can't I can't hear dilly dilly. I can't see it in writing. I cannot fathom dilly dilly. This is all right. You know what I visualize when somebody says or when I read dilly dilly. You ever watch Game of Thrones? And, I have not, unfortunately. Okay, so there's there are listeners out there who have listened or who have watched Game of Thrones. One of the main characters, uh, oh, maybe not main, secondary character, gets his manhood chopped off, and in a taunting fashion, another secondary character, spoiler alert, later dies uh, in a very deserving way because he's a bad guy. Uh, he has like a big sausage link meant to represent the first man's lost manhood. Anyway, he's he's taking said sausage link and kind of waving it. I'll send you the gif. You'll understand what I'm seeing, uh, what I'm talking about. But when I see or hear Dilly Dilly, for whatever reason, it, maybe it's because <laughs> I'm, I'm a warped and twisted individual, but that's what goes through my mind. So, uh, Hoss, I'll send that to you so you can understand what in the hell I'm talking about. Uh, everybody else, thanks for tuning in. Hey, this is uh, a Monday, and we're all in it together. So uh, have a great day. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time on the Five Heart Podcast where we do remind you every week that's not about the stars. It's about the heart, and Five Heart <laughs> is all the heart you need. Go Big Red. Win the damn off season. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com. Jittery Monkey.